Hello, I'm Sharon Krauss, and this is Preternatural Investigations, a podcast about things that are strange, but not too strange. The marvellous things that lie between the mundane and the miraculous. I'm a musician with a background in academic philosophy, a rationalist who believes there is magic, mystery and meaning to be found in the world around us. My title nods towards Ludwig Wittgenstein, and my approach owes something to William James's inquiries into religious experience and Mark Fisher's explorations of the weird and the eerie. Come with me into the realm of the preternatural. Episode 1 Magic and the Preternatural. One of my earliest memories is of playing with a toy telephone and using it to have conversations with fairies. As a young child, my stuffed animals had inner lives and I wrote stories about their adventures. One summer, ladybirds were plentiful. It was probably the hot summer of 76 and I befriended them, encouraged them to crawl on my hands and up my arms convinced that the ones that didn't fly off were communing with me. I made secret garden hideaways and became a pirate, an Indian brave, Wonder Woman and any number of other characters. For a period of time I was convinced I was a boy and insisted on being called David. I was susceptible to experiences of this kind and if I'd been asked if I believed in magic, I would have said yes, though the nature of this belief wasn't straightforward. It was perhaps better characterised as a feeling or a yearning, and in the same way it would have been true, though a little odd, to say that I believed in adventure. Magic and adventure were both things I read about in my favourite books and longed for in my life. Instead of separating fact and fiction and resigning myself to a life that lacked magic and adventure, I acquired the belief that I could find those things in the real world, not just in fiction. This blurring of fact and fiction is not unusual in children, but is generally seen as something we grow out of. Though my ideas have moved on, I don't talk to fairies on toy telephones anymore. As an adult, I still basically have the same outlook and the ability to find magic and adventure in the world around me. This seems a good thing and contributes significantly to my happiness and well-being. Developing alongside these childhood games of the imagination was a scepticism about a range of other magical things I was introduced to. At an early age, I was told by my Jewish parents that Father Christmas didn't exist, and liked to think I would have worked that out for myself soon enough. Similarly, the idea of a white-bearded god in the sky who would punish or reward us seemed odd, and by the time I was taken to Sunday school, I found myself arguing over logical inconsistencies in the idea of God with the rabbi who taught me. As a teenager on holiday in Brighton, 
I was accosted by Scientologists who, when I showed an interest in the psychological questions they asked me, invited me to come to their Dianetics Centre and find out more. I was impressionable and curious about psychology and philosophy, and they probably thought I would be easy to hook. I had never heard of Scientology or Dianetics at that point and was open to new ideas. But it became clear to me that there were faulty assumptions at play in what they were telling me. And though they made it hard for me to walk away, eventually, after a couple of hours of putting pressure on me to sign up to a Dianetics course, they had to let me go. My early logical aptitude was developed in adulthood by studying maths and philosophy to degree level and then completing a doctorate in philosophy. Questioning assumptions, testing the validity of arguments and critiquing ideas has become a central part of who I am. Yet in parallel to this development, my sense of magic and wonder has remained. On the surface, there seems to be a tension between these two things, but my gut feeling has always been that that was not the case. My explorations of magic are an attempt to better understand the relationship between these two parts of my life and outlook and work out how they can coexist. Philip Pullman, writing in The Guardian about Spellbound, the Ashmolean's 2019 exhibition on the history of magic describes a similar tension. As a renowned rationalist, he should, he says, be dismissive of such an exhibition. But instead, he finds it to be full of illuminating things, and the mental world it illustrates is an important, no, an essential part of the life we live. Pullman is interested in the realm of the imagination and all that lives there, both because he is a writer of fiction and because, he says, I like to pay attention to everything I come across, including things that evoke the uncanny or the mysterious. For Pullman, magic is worth thinking about because it is a part of human life. He suggests that a study of magical experience along the lines of William James's The Varieties of Religious Experience would be worthwhile. My aims are close to the project that he envisages, to describe, examine, analyse and reflect on the kinds of magic, mystery and weirdness that can exist in the world, beginning with my own experience and working outwards. Like Pullman, I think all aspects of human experience are worthy of our consideration and that the stranger things we experience are not to be dismissed because they're strange, but investigated. Another rationalist atheist who, perhaps surprisingly, finds himself talking about magic is Richard Dawkins. In The Magic of Reality, written for younger readers, he discusses three kinds of magic, supernatural magic, stage magic, and poetic magic. He defines the supernatural as that which is beyond the reach of a natural explanation, 
beyond the reach of science. To say that something happened supernaturally is not just to say, we don't understand it, but to say, we will never understand it, so don't even try. Stage magic is mere trickery. Conjurers deceiving us into thinking something supernatural has happened, when in fact something different and more ordinary has actually happened. It is poetic magic that is Dawkins' main interest. In this sense, he says, magical simply means deeply moving, exhilarating, something that gives us goosebumps, something that makes us feel more fully alive. Dawkins is keen to convince us that this kind of magic inheres in reality, in the wonders of nature. Dawkins's poetic magic is a good starting point, being free of metaphysical baggage and loosely characterised as whatever it is about reality that can move us deeply and give us this good-to-be-alive kind of feeling. We can acknowledge the existence and importance of the kind of heightened experiences Dawkins describes without prejudging the issue of what kinds of things bring them about. We may want to include religious or mystical experiences in this category, for example, but question whether these experiences have supernatural causes. Like Dawkins, I assume that all of our experiences have natural causes, but nothing important hangs on that question as far as I'm concerned. My aim is merely to make space for magic within the natural world and show that belief in its existence doesn't commit us to believing in anything supernatural. In other words, I want to show that magic can occur naturally, not prove conclusively that it can only occur in this way. Showing that magic can occur naturally is important as part of a wider project of making space for the things that matter to us. Things like meaning, goodness and beauty in the natural world, in a world without God. The idea that magic can be found in the natural world is not new. Medieval and early modern theologians and natural philosophers used the term preternatural to describe things that were outside the ordinary course of nature, yet had natural causes. This was in contrast to the supernatural, the supernatural realm being seen as a realm of miracles and other divine interventions in which the laws of nature were suspended or contravened by God. Instead of the categories of natural and supernatural being taken to be exhaustive, the preternatural was a kind of intermediate zone in which things that were not natural in the normal way could be found. Things like two-headed beasts, comets, plagues of insects, magnetism, Siamese twins and other anomalies. Whereas supernatural occurrences were taken to result from God's suspension of the laws of nature, preternatural ones 
or the result of bending or manipulating the laws of nature, or of natural or hidden, occult causes. The category of the preternatural declined in the late 17th century and was eventually subsumed within the category of the natural. Nowadays, there's a polarization between scientific naturalism on the one hand and religious supernaturalism on the other. And we seem forced to choose between believing that everything can be understood scientifically, that all knowledge is scientific knowledge, and resisting this claim by invoking faith and belief in the supernatural. The supernatural is taken, both by its proponents and its opponents, as being utterly separate from the natural, and thus essentially mysterious and unknowable. Belief in the supernatural, whether that takes the form of belief in a supernatural god, or in a realm of spirits, or other immaterial beings or forces, must be based on faith, since by definition we cannot use reason to gain knowledge of it. To scientific atheists, the idea of a supernatural realm governed by laws we cannot possibly comprehend, that we must take on faith, seems incoherent. To theists and others who resist scientific reductionism, on the other hand, the idea that science will ultimately enable us to crack the secrets of the universe and understand everything seems mistaken and arrogant. If it makes sense to believe both that everything we experience has natural causes and that some of the things we experience are not best or fully understood in scientific or naturalistic terms, a version of the concept of the preternatural seems useful. I am here resisting the kind of scientific reductionism according to which everything can ultimately be understood in scientific terms explained in terms of basic components atoms, quarks, genes, etc. I would like to revive the term preternatural and use it in this way to apply to those things that, though natural, are not best or fully understood in naturalistic terms. On this definition, the preternatural, unlike the supernatural, is a subset of the natural and is accessible to us and open to scrutiny. Let me give a mundane example of the kind of thing I'm thinking of. I am currently sitting at my desk, looking out of the window. The trees I see are swaying slowly in the breeze, and the ivy leaves covering the tall beech tree are fluttering more rapidly. There's a narrow patch of blue showing through the clouds that move slowly past, backdrop to the trees. In the foreground, birds dart in and out of view. A magpie drops to perch on the eaves of the adjoining roof, cocks his head on one side and catches my eye. This view, with its slow shifts and more rapid changes, gives me a sense of deep contentment, allows me to feel connected to the outside world 
while I lose myself in the world of my ideas. I have all I need. No doubt my experience has natural causes. As I sit here, light is entering my eyes, hitting my retinas, being converted to neural signals and being transmitted to the visual centres of my brain along the optic nerve. A similar though more complicated story can be told about the causal connections between the visual content of my perception and the emotional response it triggers. If somebody thought that a causal explanation of this kind best explained the relationship between perceptions like these and the emotions they give rise to, they'd be mistaken, though. Any insights we gain into why experiences like the one I describe contribute to our emotional well-being must refer to the significance of particular experiences, what they mean, not just their causes. If this is not obvious, consider whether the following possible course of action is likely to be successful. Having analysed the optical patterns inherent in my perception of the view from my window, someone kindly offers to help me maximise my experience of contentment and well-being by replicating them and projecting them in an endless loop for me to watch whenever I'm in need of cheering up. If there are kinds of magic that we want to acknowledge the existence of, yet want to locate within the realm of the natural, the category of the preternatural will be useful. As well as magic, there are many other things that seem best located in this category. Things that, though natural, are not best understood in naturalistic terms. Things that resist scientific reduction. Love, truth, Goodness and beauty, as well as their opposites, are examples. Though these things are natural, and science can tell us some interesting things about them, they cannot be fully understood scientifically. Then venturing further from the everyday and into the realms of the strange and weird, the eerie, the poetic, we may find things that are hard to categorise. Some of the things that come our way may be shown to be illusory and best dismissed as non-existent, like unicorns, phlogiston, ectoplasm. But I try to keep an open mind about the things people experience, rather than dismissing them out of hand on the basis of them being strange or anomalous. Far from being an unscientific attitude, this kind of curiosity into anomalous occurrences is what drives scientific discovery. The idea of the preternatural seems to give naturalists what they want, the idea that everything has natural causes, and supporters of strange phenomena what they want, the possibility that some things are irreducibly strange, though not so strange as to be utterly unknowable. The extremists on either side, those who claim that everything must be understood scientifically, and those who insist on the existence of a class of things that can never be understood by us at all, 
will reject this idea. Even if it's not possible to reach out to those at either end of the science-religion spectrum, in what follows, I hope to make a good case for the existence and importance of the preternatural and to persuade listeners many of the things we care about reside in this realm. In classifying some things as preternatural, that is, as resisting scientific explanation, I'm not thereby classifying them as beyond our comprehension. Science does not have the monopoly on rational investigation. There's a tendency among champions of science to conflate science with rationality and think that if something cannot be investigated scientifically, it's somehow irrational or bogus. This seems to be Dawkins's attitude. There are countless non-scientific human endeavors that are governed by rationality and aim at discovering truths with the aid of reason, analysis, and the weighing of evidence. Philosophy is one example, and the criminal justice system is another. In a court of law, we present evidence, question witnesses, plaintiff and defendant, and attempt to uncover the truth about what happened. This process often draws on scientific methods, DNA analysis, for example. But lawyers, judges and jury members are not themselves doing science. In a court of law, we try to solve inherently human problems and decide whether the person on trial is guilty or not, and if guilty, what level of punishment is appropriate. This requires rationality as well as an understanding of human behaviour, compassion and a sense of fairness. In a similar way, rationality is one of the tools we need in order to investigate the preternatural. What I'm interested in doing is understanding some of what's going on when we have magical experiences and why these experiences are significant. The explanations I'll look for will be rational, but not scientific. I don't think we can understand magical experience, or indeed any of the aspects of what it is to be fully human, in terms of genes, neurons, or atoms, but only with reference to other aspects of human life. I'm not saying that evolutionary biology, experimental psychology, or other branches of science are irrelevant to my study. They are among the many things I can draw on, but they should serve the human perspective, not attempt to overrule it. The preternatural, as I construe it, is a realm that is mysterious, but not in principle unknowable. Historians of science Lorraine Daston and Catherine Park describe the preternatural as being suspended between the mundane and the miraculous. And I think this description is apt. What kind of things fall into this category? The kinds of magic and weirdness that are my subject matter belong here, but they have much else to keep them company.
We are natural creatures, the result of natural selection. Yet we seem somehow to find ways to transcend nature, to augment it, to create things that are not wholly natural. We are animals, yet our animal-human nature contains within itself the ability to graft on wholly new elements and make them second nature. We are born with limited abilities, the ability to cry, to laugh, to reach out. Yet we learn how to speak, sing, write, calculate, dance, deliberate, and so many other things. We learn to do these artificial things so well that we do them without thinking, without making any separation between doing them and just being ourselves. They become natural to us, natural extensions of us, and we grow into them, expanding what it is to be human. Human nature itself goes beyond nature. We are preternatural beings. We create languages and cultures, ethical systems, fictional worlds, monetary systems, jokes, factories, songs, and many other strange, seemingly unnatural things. Though these things are not supernatural, it seems a little odd to call them natural. They go beyond nature. The metaphor of grafting in horticulture is a good one for the way we add things on to human nature. The things we graft on are not rooted in our natures. Yet when a graft takes, it grows and flourishes, and as a result, we flourish. In learning to play a musical instrument well, a musician melds with her instrument to the extent that it becomes an extra limb, an extra voice. This funny-shaped piece of wood can become a means of expressing the most profound parts of our nature. We remake and reach beyond ourselves, for good and for ill. We seek to control and to understand, to describe and to depict. We create new worlds within the world, fictional worlds, the online world, cultures and subcultures, and we make lives for ourselves and find meaning within these worlds. There is nothing in nature stranger or more magical than these things. When Dawkins talks about the poetic magic found in nature, he seems to think there's nothing mysterious going on. We are profoundly affected by aspects of nature simply because they're beautiful, complex and wonder-inducing. But beauty, complexity and the power to induce wonder are hardly scientific properties. So if we want to explain why we experience the things we experience in this way as magical, science itself won't be of much help. Nature may contain wonders, 
but it is the creative, imaginative and emotional parts of our nature that enable us to experience the world as wonderful or magical. This irreducibly human element, as well as the fact that the wonder-inducing natural things Dawkins talks about, are by no means the only thing to be found in the preternatural realm, suggests that preternatural investigation is the way to proceed. And what is science itself? Surely the activity of studying the natural world, positing hypotheses and theoretical entities, conducting experiments and offering explanations of how things work, is a complex human endeavour involving observation, deliberation and imagination. Scientists can apply themselves to the study of anything, but if we want to understand scientific study itself, we find ourselves studying human nature and our compulsion to discover truths about and gain understanding of the world, and asking philosophical questions such as, what is truth? The scientist cannot have complete knowledge of science without stepping outside of science into the preternatural. In upcoming episodes, I will be reflecting on the magic, mystery, meaning or weirdness we may experience in certain places as a result of participating in certain kinds of activity, in response to art, music and literature, in nature, in trying to understand the significance and life-enhancing role experiences of this kind play. I will be looking at the relationship between fictional representations of magic and the preternatural magic we can experience in the world. At wonder, imagination and the ability to find new ways of seeing familiar things, the way fictional and other constructed worlds intersect with and are grafted onto the natural world, enabling us to experience the natural world as a many-layered palimpsest that draws us in, leads us on, and reveals itself to us, at the same time as giving us insights into aspects of ourselves. I'm Sharon Krauss, and this has been Preternatural Investigations. Investigations.